Okay. Good day, everyone. I hope you're all well. So we're uh, in the fourth parak in Pirkei Avos, the third Mishnah. Again, it's a Mishnah of Benazai. Avishimun Benazai. Very important Mishnah because this Mishnah deals with the idea of uh, guidance of Hajgacha in the world. Now, uh, one of the uh, great philosophic problems, which uh, is discussed by all of them before Shim, is that there is Hajgacha, Akol Bidei Shamayim. Everything is in the hands of heaven. So if you say everything is in the hands of heaven, that pretty much negates freedom of choice. On the other hand, we read in this week's Parsha, last week's Parsha, the choice is ours. We can do what we wish. So there coexists in Jewish thought these two polar extremes, so to speak, that everything is uh, what in Yiddish they call bashert, And yet, there is freedom of choice. You can do what you want. And there are various interpretations attempting to square this circle, uh, to reconcile these two ideas. And uh, it really is a... uh, a matter of saying that uh, in heaven's judgment, so to speak, they are both present. Even if we are unable to understand how they can both coexist at the same time. So uh, there are people in the world, Jews, who feel that everything is Bashar. And that therefore, whatever happens to them, it's not because of their wise choice or because of their bad choice, but it is rather because it is faded. And then there are Jews in the world who say that it's really all up to me and that the general picture is guided from heaven, but the particular thing that I want to do, purely up to me, and that heaven doesn't interfere whatsoever. So this is a philosophical issue, and uh, I am not able to uh, really shed much light 
on it, except to point out to you that it exists. And, uh, for instance, in a Kabbalistic world, the world of a spirit that we don't see, that's not subject to our logic, etc. So then it's much easier to imagine that everything is faded. Everything is decided for us. We have forces impinging upon us that we're unaware of that force our choice. But in a non-Kabbalistic world, the world of rationality, so then the choice is mine. I want to do it, I don't want to do it. Now, uh, into this uh, problem, philosophical problem, Ben-Hazai has something to say. And his statement is as follows. Uvayomer, he said, Alti boz lecholodom, valti maflik lecholdavor. You should not treat any human being lightly. Any human being that crosses your path. You shouldn't uh, think that somehow he's not there for any purpose. He doesn't account for anything. And Mafuk Lacholdavor, any incident or event that occurs has nothing to do with me. It's just, you know, at random. Something occurred. Shane Lachodom, Shane Lachaw, because there is no human being that is put into this world, to this world, that doesn't have a moment of importance. And every event that happens has to fit into some sort of pattern. It's part of an overall picture. In other words, uh, human life and human history is a gigantic uh, jigsaw puzzle, and every piece is important. Now, let's examine this as we do... uh, as reflected in the Torah. Don't uh, treat people as though they're incidental to you. They're not important. We find in the Torah that uh, Yosef HaTzadik is uh, sent by his father to uh, find his brothers And he is unable to find them. So since he's unable to find them, he's willing to return home. Had he returned home, he would not have been sold as a slave. Had he not been sold as a slave, 
all of Jewish history would have to come in a different way. Now, Harbi Shluchim Lamakam, the Rabban Shalom has infinite ways to do his will. But here, the will of God somehow is that it has to come through the sale of Yosef by his brothers into Egypt. The Rambam says uh, uh, that the promise that was made to Avraham, that the Jewish people will be strangers in a strange land. And they will there be slaves and be afflicted for hundreds of years. But the Rambam says it didn't have to be Egypt. He says that's why the Egyptians were punished. Didn't have to be them. They had the choice not to do it. It had to happen. But everybody has the choice as to whether or not they were the ones to make it happen. Remarkable idea. So Yosef doesn't have to be sold into Egypt. The Rabboni Shalom Kaviyachal has many, many, many other ways of affecting the history if he wants to. So, what happens? He's going in the field. He's about to go home. A man found him. The Torah doesn't describe who he is. Mr. Anonymous. Rashi says, this Rashi Lushita told, the way Rashi always sees things, that it was the angel Gavriel. The angel Gavriel in the guise of a human being. Meaning heaven is forcing the issue. And uh, this man, the Malach, is the one that tells him, Yosef says, I'm looking for my brothers. Where are my brothers? You know, you see uh, 10 guys in black hats walking around. And the man says, oh, yeah. They went to Dotan. To Dotan. I heard them. I saw them. They're, they're in Dotan. And Yosef says, thank you. And he goes to Dotan and boom, 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 the story unfolds. So Rashi's version is that this is heaven. This is the word Heaven forced the issue. God said, so to speak, he sent the Malach Gavriel. The Malach Gavriel is the one that uh, puts the whole thing into motion. The Ramban here says an interesting comment. The Ramban always quotes Rashi first. The Ramban says, Kilo Mishpat Rashi has first dibs, so to speak. 
You have to always see what Rashi says. Rashi is written with divine inspiration. I mean, it's unbelievable. That's why he's Rabban Shal Yisrael. He's the, the great teacher of Israel. There are not many people that are called a teacher, right? Moshe Rabbeinu, Rashi, Rabbi, Rabbi HaKadosh. There are not many people that, uh, that are given the role of being the teacher of all of the Jewish people for generations upon generations. But the Ramban says, if Rashi said it's the Malach Gavriel, so then he said it's the Malach Gavriel. Good. But he said, Venum Tzrichim was there, but we don't have to come on to that. We don't have to bring down angels from heaven. He says it was a plain person. Vayim Elish. A man, so, you know, somebody was walking in the field. He was going his, in his direction, wherever he was going. And Yosef bumped into him. And so the man was asked, did you see my brothers? And he said, yes, they went to Dothan. The man doesn't think that he did anything important. He helped somebody that was lost in the field. Yosef doesn't think that this man is important either. Never saw him before. Doesn't know him. Didn't teach him any Torah. Didn't have a major conversation with him. He just asked him, you know, asked him for directions. In Israel, it used to be common before there was... uh, ways and all sorts of other devices that people would ask for directions. And we never put much stock in the fact that someone gave us directions or didn't give us directions. Hello? No, can you call me back in about an hour, please? Sorry. So uh, the uh, this man gave directions to Yosef. But this man changed all of human history by giving him directions and telling where his brothers were. So then the whole thing unfolds. So the Ramban says that that is a pattern in human life that there are people who don't realize that they are being employed in a grand scheme and who just think that things happen at random. Somebody stopped and asked me for directions. I gave them instructions. I gave them directions. I would have known. And that's why it says Ish. He found the man. He didn't didn't say who he is even. Mr. Anonymous. In the Middle Ages, there was a character in all literature called Everyman, 
who represented all human beings. So that's this man. So that's what Ben Azai said. This man came for this purpose unto this world. His purpose, his mission in the world was to tell Yosef where his brothers were. He doesn't realize what his mission is. He doesn't attach importance to it. But that's why he's here. And all of us, therefore, whether we know it or not, I'm sorry. Hello? Could you call me back in an hour, please? Whether we know it or not, we're here for a purpose. We're part of the great jigsaw puzzle. Now, we have choices, right? He could have asked them for directions. The man could say, I don't know. I don't you know. Why should I bother? Which a lot of people do. I remember uh, my friend, Rabbi Gross, of blessed memory, he was the founder of the school in Miami Beach. So he told me that he came to Israel for the first time, I think it was in 1948 or 49, just after the Medina was established. And he wanted instructions as to where a street was. And he stopped the Jew and he asked him. And the Jew said to him, there are 100,000 Jews in Jerusalem and you have to stop me? So he didn't realize he had a mission. So we can avoid the mission so that our does it a different way. But this man's mission was to give the instructions to Yosef. That's what he was there for. And therefore, because of that, you never know. There are no chance occurrences, so to speak. And maybe in all of our lives, if we think about it, each one of us can recall how something that looked to be a chance occurrence turned out to be very important. Turned out to be a necessary thing. We find in Tanakh, how did Shaul become the Melech of Israel? How did Shaul become the first king of Israel? Chance occurrence. There were donkeys that belonged to the herd of his father, and the donkeys ran away, and his father sent him with a servant to find the donkeys. So he's going to find donkeys. He's not going on any great mission. He's uh, respecting his father. His father told him to go find the donkeys. He's going to find the donkeys. They can't find them naturally. 
because the, that's the arrangement that the Lord is making here. So he can't find them. So the servant says to him, you know, we're not far away from Ramah, which is near uh, Ramot today, here in Jerusalem, up the hill by Kaver Shmuel Anavi. This is the town of the prophet. Let's go ask the prophet where the donkeys are. Shoal never saw Shmuel. He doesn't know him. The Lord tells Shmuel, the man that I have appointed to be the king is going to come to you today. The man that's coming is looking for donkeys. He's not looking to be the king. It's the furthest thing from his mind. So he comes into the town and he stops Shmuel Anovi on the street. And he says to him, Aye Hachose, where is the seer? Meaning, where's the prophet? Where can I find the prophet? So Shmuel answers, Ani Hachose, I'm the seer, I'm the prophet. And then Shmuel realizes that this is the person that the the Lord told him was going to come today. And he starts the whole process of making him the king. Just as an aside, how careful people have to be as to what they say, especially great people. Shmuel answered him, I'm the one, I'm the seer. He asked him, where is the seer? So he answered him, I'm the seer. So the uh, Medrash points out that when the Lord sends Shmuel to the house of Yishai, the crown, the next king, the crown David Amelech, so Yishai has seven sons, strapping, big, holy, wise. So when he comes to the house of Yishai, he sees the first son. He's so impressed with him, he says, okay, this is the king. And the Lord says, no, he's not the king. How about the second one? The third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth one. Until Shmuel says, do you have any more? And then he says, oh, yeah, the little boy, you know, the short one with red hair. And God says, that's the one. So the Medrash says, Shmuel said, why did you embarrass me so in front of them? I was wrong six times. She told me in the beginning, take this, the seventh one, the young one, that's the one who's going to be the king. 
So heaven retorted to him, what do you want from us? You said you're the seer. You said, Ani Jose, you could see, so see. How careful one has to be what one says. Shmuel shouldn't have said it that way. You should have said, I'm the person you're looking for. How can I help you? But when he said, I'm the one that can see. So in any event, we have another example that this is, you know, uh, losing donkeys. Who cares? The great pattern of Jewish history that somebody lost two donkeys, so what? Well, we'll see that it's not. Everything has a place. Everything is part of the jigsaw. Everything is a piece. And therefore, life has to be treated with seriousness and with contemplation and with wisdom. And not to say everything is just at random. That's the way the world is. That's the way it goes, etc., etc. And we find that in uh, uh, why Eliezer made uh, the Shirach for Yitzchak with Rivka. How is he going to find a, a woman there? How does he know he finds the right woman? And the Lord sends out Rivka, she comes out. So he says, it's, she came out and gave water. This must be the one. Well, you know, uh, he didn't look up her resume yet. He doesn't know if she can earn a living for her husband. He doesn't know anything. But he says, this must be the one, because otherwise, why should the woman come out and give water to the camels? Somebody else would say, oh, it's nice. They're hospitable here. You know, they give you water right away. So the Torah itself points out these facts that every human being is important, every event is important, it all fits somehow into a grand pattern, and therefore we should not view things lightly. There's a wonderful story that I heard regarding the Chafetz Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim had a uh, student in in the yeshiva in Raden was an exceptional young man. And he really was a great Talmud Chacham. And the Chavetz Chaim had great hopes for it, that he would develop into a uh, leading teacher of Torah for the Jewish people. Which uh, is not a uh, position that ever 
receive the honor that it deserves or the compensation that it deserves. So uh, this young man went ahead and he made a shidduch with a very wealthy girl. And the father-in-law gave the young man a very substantial dowry on the condition that he would invest the dowry and go into business. He wanted to have a son-in-law that's in the world, you know, a businessman. You don't want a yeshiva guy. There are people that don't realize when God does them a favor. They're, so to speak, disappointed in advance. So in any event, the young man went into business. He took the whole dowry. He invested it in the business. He worked hard and went bankrupt. In six months, it was over. The father-in-law didn't want to give him any more money. He said he he blew through the entire dowry in six months. So the young man returned to the yeshiva. And when he returned, he was crestfallen because he thought he returned as a failure. Here he left, he was going to be uh, the builder of a financial empire, and he came back. with his uh, tail uh, slung between his legs. The Chavetz Chaim said to him, Mazel Tov. He said, Rebbe, why should you mock me? It's bad enough that I don't have, that I lost it. You should give me Mazel Tov yet. And the Chavetz Chaim said to him, I want you to know my son. There are people who it takes them an entire life to lose all of their money. And then it's too late for them. The Lord took yours away in six months. Now you can sit and learn and you'll be a marbit Torah. So mazel tov. Well, that's a viewpoint of life. Alti mafli l'choldover. So even when you lose money, it may be a great favor for you. There I know many people that takes them a whole lifetime to lose their money. And this way you can turn it around yet in the middle. Still is time to do good things. And I was in America at the beginning of this plague. And uh, the market, the stock market then went from uh, 28 down to 17. Like in two weeks. And people uh, on paper lost trillions. And a lot of people panicked and sold out. And there were people that went into depression. And there were even people that, God forbid, committed suicide. 
and my pension advisor called me up and he said, what should we do? Because I'm, uh, my pension is also uh, involved. Now, I don't know anything. I don't know what makes it go up. I don't know what makes it go down. I don't play with it. I don't touch it. Whatever, you know. Once a year, I take some money out of it to be able to live and go by. So I told him, don't do anything. He said, but you know, how can you, went down to 17, what do you mean don't do anything? I said, don't do anything. The Lord that helped me until now, so you help me more. I mean, what, that's not, uh, you know, it's nothing to do with me or with you. I'm not uh, that smart. I'm not the one that's going to uh, figure this out. So he called me up, uh, I don't know, two days ago, three days ago. He said, I want you to know it's all back. I admire your financial acuity. I don't have nothing to do with me. I didn't know what's going on. But what I do know is... Amalach Yaakov Avinu said, Amalach that has guided me from all of the troubles in my life. So he'll take care of me the rest of the way too. And whatever is, is. There's nothing I can do about it. Now that's a fatalistic approach. But that's part of you have to experience all of that too. It's all a test. It's all a challenge. So a person should take, God forbid, his life because he lost money? A person should be in a constant depression because he lost money? So that's, that's a sign of weakness. It was a sign that the priorities weren't there. So there are hundreds of examples like this. That we are pieces of a gigantic jigsaw puzzle. And we all have a mission. So if a person asks you for instructions and guidance, give it to them. That's what you're there for. Because you don't know what that means. Person asks for a favor, do the favor. Don't say, you know, there are 100,000 people in Jerusalem. Why do you have to stop me? Why me? Why me is because it came to you. That's your piece of the puzzle. That's your mission. You know, we, uh, our shul, Baruch Hashem, is open. It's been open for uh, quite some time. And uh, we have minion regularly, and we have a small uh, learning session regularly. I mean, talking live, I'm not talking Zooms.
and uh, so you have to have 10 men. So I always remark that we have like a miracle minion because it's almost never the same 10 people, morning and night. So when the 10th person walks in, I say to him, oh, that's what you're here for. That's why they sent you, so you should make the minion. So you're number 10. Now the shoe is going to open up because we're going to have 20. We're going to have women. That's your mission. Your mission is to keep it going. So that's what Ben Hazai taught us. Should not treat people of no value. When you need 10 people, every one that counts. And you cannot treat events as though they are at random. What are we going to say about this corona when it's over? Oh, it was a pandemic. Like pandemics are uh, natural events. I was in America, there was a rabbi, an Orthodox rabbi, who wrote an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal that my son-in-law read to me, whose thesis was that the coronavirus has nothing to do with God or heaven. It's a natural event. It's part of nature. But I find it hard to deal that way. I find it hard to deal that so many people died and so many people throughout the world have been afflicted and the world has gone through such turmoil. And we should say, well, that was all natural, right? It's like a big hurricane. But even a big hurricane, the Pesach says, Ruach Seora Osedvoro. The hurricane does what it is told. Somebody is telling it where to go. So that was, is the Jewish viewpoint on these matters. And I think it's especially important now we're coming to the month of Elul. So some introspection should be on our menu for Elul. So we should think about what our mission is, no matter what our stage in life is. Kolod nishmosi bi, as long as we're still alive, Baruch Hashem, we get up every morning, so we have a mission. There's something to do. There's something to accomplish. And we can do things. We can study Torah. We can help build the Jewish people. We can help our families. We can be of good cheer, which is enormously positive and necessary. Well, Ben Asai came to inspire us. 
we came to make certain that we had the proper perspective on things and that we would be able to function even in a pandemic, even when things are not as we expected or hoped or planned for. And that's very important because life is uncertain. It always has been and it always will be. I mean, the only thing that is certain is our relationship with the Creator and the goals and spirit that we have within us that drive us forward and make us the Jewish people. So I want to thank you all for listening and to wish you a very good day and a good week. And Emir Tzeshem will hear good news one from another. Thank you, thank you.